What's going on, everyone? Here we are, back in the stu makeshift studio. Grant Singer is here live, not in person, from the City of Angels. How's it going over there, Grant? You know, it's so good to be here again. Um, it's been forever since I've talked to you. Just kidding, I think I talked to you yesterday. <laughs> but it's good to be back in studio. I'm happy to have you. I was just so excited with how our impromptu turned out. I've just been looking for a reason to have you on. And I was like, a Q&A just seems right up our alley. I totally agree. We love asking questions. We love answering them, even if we don't know what we're talking about. I mean, that's kind of our thing. It is our thing. Going in blind, shooting from the hip. I love that. Yep. <laughs> this whole episode is about the questions that were sent in on Instagram, and we're going to answer them. But before we do, I have things that I want to say, because I had prepped in my head for a solo podcast. And I don't know if you're like me, Grant, like I'll write it out in my head before I write it down on paper. Right. Mostly in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's precisely when I do my best writing. Best, yes, exactly. Well, uh, I'm excited to announce this segment is the Nick Has Things to Say segment. Nick, take it away. I have things to say. All right, so I was reading this Reddit post the other day, as one does. I couldn't sleep, and that's pretty much the only time I go on Reddit, and I usually don't not sleep often. I'm a, I like, I'm a good sleeper. Nick's a big sleeper. Big sleep guy. And this guy was like writing about his four rules to life in which I only remember one of them because only one of them stuck with me, but I've been implementing it and I'm like, this checks out. I don't remember if it was called a no zero day or a non zero day. Mm. Here's the premise of it. Anything that you want to do, you don't let a day go by where you do absolutely nothing of that thing. Whoa. If you're like trying to get into fitness and you're like, oh man, I didn't work out today. You just do a push up. Yeah. You do a single push up and you're like, I did something toward my goals. Wow. I love that. I love the idea that it can be that simple because there are so many days that go by where I am like, ah, I didn't get a chance to do this because I didn't have a couple hours to like get into it. No, like, Forget that. Do two minutes. Yeah. And th honestly, that's how it's been. Because some of these days, yeah, I have like a, I have a schedule. I'm trying to go to the gym during a specific block of time. But sometimes I'll work past the starting time. And I'm like, oh, it's only like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And before I was like, I'm not going for 20 minutes. That's, right. that's bush league. That's weak sauce. Right. Dude, now I'm going for 20 minutes and I'm like, I'm in there getting after it. Yeah. I'm like, I only have 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. That is such a great way to look at it. And I would even argue, forget Bush League. I mean, the professionals will take the time they have and, and squeeze it in. And that's, I mean, I love that. I'm. That's a great lesson. I wonder what the other three were. He seems like a wise guy. I'm sure they're really, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're really impactful. <laughs> so this is called No Zero Days. No Zero Days, Non Zero Days. Something like that. Mm. It's been good because I have like now in my monogamy, I got the categories, you know, I got mm -hmm. the podcast. I'm like, okay, what is working on the podcast a non-zero day? You know, maybe I'll outreach yeah. to one person. Ooh, you want another hot take, Grant? I, um, That's what I'm here for, Nick. Oh my gosh. So you know what I've learned? And maybe you feel this way too. Right. Self-employed life. Yes. Let's, let's talk about it. <gasps> Let me just breathe in 
a big gust of air. Yeah. Oh, prep, yes. prep a little bit. Self-employed life. At the end of the day, I'm learning that it's not whether or not like you were wildly productive or not. It's choosing to be satisfied with the work that you did. And that has made me feel not terrible at the end of the day. I need a lesson in this. That's the lesson. But how do you do that? <laughs> it's like, okay, because sometimes we'll make must-do lists that are too big. We get ambitious and we're like, all right, I'm having eight things on my list today and I'm going to bang them out. Yeah. And then you only get to like six and then you feel like a moron yeah. for not getting the last two. Yeah. You feel bad about yourself. Right. But then... At the end of the day, I'm, I'll just count the things that I did. I'm like, you know what? I'm choosing to be satisfied with what this is. So tomorrow, I'm not mm. restrained by the feeling of feeling bad about myself. Wow. I think that's absolutely essential if you're self-employed. Yes. Even if you're employed, employed. I mean, I think we take employment in an official way as a little bit of like we're off the hook because we don't totally have to judge ourselves yeah. there's external like a boss or you know you know long-term goals of the company that kind of stuff that we can judge ourselves by but if it's just us our own goals we can be very hard on ourselves i have a tendency that i've talked about i don't know if i've talked about it with you but a lot of people of moving goal posts as soon as i make mm. a goal i push the goal post back so that it's not oh, a yeah. goal there anymore. it goes yeah <laughs> it's like oh just took away that win <laughs> yeah. And I think for people like us who who strive to like do a lot and maybe even are a bit perfectionist e about it. It's hard to to take your wins when you get them and not say, "Oh, I could have done better. Oh, I could have done three more things today." So, yeah, just to your point, I think you're absolutely right about. I did a great job today. These are the things I did. Don't think about the things I didn't do. But I really struggle with this. I hope that you're having a successful time with it, but I really, no, I okay. <laughs> I really have a hard time with this. That's something that's definitely helped. Then what do you do? How do you balance your wins and your ambition? Cause that's, mm. that's the hardest yeah. part between contentment mm -hmm. and also striving because on one hand you did just have a win, yeah. but on the other hand, you're like, I'm not finished. I'm not done. <laughs> right. What's your take on the balance? If I were a therapist, which I'm not, but I might like, I think the right answer to this is not the easiest answer, but I would say something like set aside an amount of time to like celebrate your win where you know you're not like resting on your laurels, but you're like giving yourself a chance to be grateful and like let that land for yourself. And then when that time is over, then you can pick up again and start being ambitious, but like don't bulldoze your moment. <laughs> mm, yeah. I don't know what the right amount of time for that would be. I'm not a therapist, but that would be my professional advice. Celebrate on Sunday, back to work on Monday. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's that. In the past, I've taken like a day to like just do something fun and like not worry about working. But I sometimes find that without those days can become zero, no zero days. They can become oh, zero yeah. days if you're just celebrating. So, you know, do one push up as well, or like write a sentence in your script. Cause that's something that I struggle with. If, if it's been a little while since I've written, it's like much harder to write again. Ooh. Yeah. More pressure. It almost probably feels like, yeah. I haven't written in a while. I better yeah. write a thousand words right now right. and catch up right. since I haven't written in a little bit. Totally. So my pro tip based on that great piece of advice is if you are struggling to write, 
write one sentence that day because mm. that really helps me because usually and this is like the little secret <laughs> usually if you write one sentence you'll want to write another and yeah. another and like you might not write a whole page but usually it ends up being more than just one sentence um it's that i like to call it like the activation energy the the energy required to like get the process started to push through that inertia of like not doing anything to doing something is hard so if you can really minimize the amount of energy it takes to like Keep going. open the script, write the sentence, um, then it becomes less daunting. It's like tricking your brain. Totally. Hey, this will be a fun one sentence. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you're going to make me write a page. <laughs> yeah. Our brains are very, they're difficult. I like to think of my brain a little bit as like a kind of difficult child that I'm trying to like make happy, but also like do what I want, please. Like, don't have a meltdown <laughs> yeah. at Disneyland right now because, like, yeah. it's going to be really bad and i got to get you home in time. Like, all these yeah. things that I'm trying to, like, tiptoe around. Don't want to shake that small child either. No. Because that'll just set them off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you do want to shake them, but, like, you shouldn't. Right. It'll just make you things worse. shake it. Yeah. Don't shake the baby. Yeah. <laughs> don't shake the brain baby. Baby brain. That's right. All good things. All good things. Another thing I want to talk about is imposter syndrome. Ooh. And I haven't mold on this intensively i just know that it happens yeah. often yeah. in general and i think it's been coming up more in conversations that i've had with people where they feel mm. they're not enough of this thing yeah. despite my yeah. opinion of them or what have you yeah. and i also like of course experience imposter syndrome software engineering which is what i got into i feel like that is a rampant mm. part of the culture of imposter syndrome and that's probably when i first started Mm. experiencing some of it yeah do you experience this and if you do how do you get out of it so imposter syndrome is i would say it's definitely i mean it probably pervades every industry but the one you just described and the one that i'm in entertainment i mean you're in entertainment as well you've picked two very competitive industries to be working in i think there's so much competition and there's so much of like, look at what they're doing over there. I'm, I'm not living up to that. Um, it's impossible not to have imposter syndrome. I don't know what the cure is, but I will say that I think it's probably somewhat related to this idea of like giving yourself time to appreciate what you've done in like a larger sense. Like I've done this, that's pretty great. Yeah. I think more than imposter syndrome for me, I'm usually just comparing and despairing um, which is mm. not a good thing to do. Don't compare or you will despair. Wow. So I try not to do that. If if I'm looking at the accomplishments of someone else and I'm like, oh, I'm not nearly as good as them. Like, this is terrible. I try to stop myself from going down that rabbit hole because everybody's different. Everybody, you know, everybody's had different experiences. And it's just, it's hard not to compare yourself, I find, especially in this, in like entertainment and everybody's oh, yeah. doing different things. But I mean, for you as an actor, what your career is going to look like is going to be totally different from like a like a different actor because you look different. You bring something totally different to the table. And I try to think about that as well as a writer because both of our interests are things that are so planted in our life experiences. Oh, yeah. You know, like if you had yeah. my brain and I had yours, we would have totally different careers because you would write about different things than I, you know, it's. Yeah. And I look different than you. I wouldn't get the same parts as you. So how could you compare yourself to anyone else? Yeah. Those are the things that I try to 
you know, tell my brain, which is, as we noted, a screaming child. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any kind of intrusive imposter syndrome thoughts? And what do you do to kind of counteract those? What I do to counteract them is, one, realize that it's not really about me, Mm -hmm. right? Most people aren't focused on me. Most people aren't focused on the judgments that I'm putting on myself. Mm. So if I have this like, wild expectation to perform in this certain way that I feel like I'll be caught if I don't. Like, I'll be like, oh, they'll think I'm a big fat phony. (laughs) I don't think people are looking at me as intensively as I am self-critiquing myself. And most of the time, I imagine most people are looking at themselves in that way. And I think the other thing is, is like, for a lot of this sort of stuff, I think I'll put the pressure of like, I have to have every answer to every question or else I'm not that guy. Yeah. Not that guy. Yeah. And that's just false. Yeah. And I think the hardest part for me in combating imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. which I think is just owning your story. And there's so much of my story that I still have like not completely owned for myself, but the more that I own it, the less I feel that way. Mm. Because then it's like, I'm not faking it. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you, I don't know the answer. Yeah. And that's all right for me to know. I can still help you on your way, on your journey, guide you to where you want to be. I'm just not going to (laughs) be, not going to be your crystal ball. Right. Right. If only we had those. If only. If only. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Grant, you got, you got stuff to say. I do have stuff to say. I have one thing at this moment to say. Which is, uh, I am in LA right now. I'm looking to move back. I'm looking for apartments. But I had dinner with a friend last night who just did this very cool thing that I want to share. She got a house in New York. Oh, whoa. Like rented a house for two months over the summer. Like a big manor house. Wrote a script that takes place in the house had an entire film crew move into the house with actors, like cinematographer, director, like she's producing it. They all moved into this house that she rented for two months, made the movie in the house that they were living in. Like the set is where they live. So it was like film summer camp, like sleepaway camp. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just like all inclusive, just like film. Like we're making this movie. This is our life for two months. We live on the set. Like this is, what we're doing and it was like a horror movie yeah oh why would they choose horror you're gonna live there too true i actually didn't even consider that in the mansion (laughs) they did make a horror movie in this um in this house they rented and they just got back to la they like have a cut that's ready and they they actually just asked me to sound mix it um because let's go yeah So they're trying to get it out to Sundance before the festival deadline is over, which I believe is September 28th, around then. So they have not a lot of time. They need to get a sound mix done in like no time at all for the Sundance deadline. So yeah, so they asked me to mix the feature film, which I've actually never done. I've never mixed a full feature film. Yeah. But I've mixed a lot of your podcast and your podcast is usually (laughs) about an hour and the feature film is two hours, so it's like two podcasts. That makes me feel a lot better, yeah. how you're structuring that. Two hours? Yeah. That's no biggie. Yeah. But also, music, though, is probably involved, like different types of music, different yeah. types of dialogue. Yeah. The mics are different in every every scene, probably, a little bit. That's 
all of those things are true. There's also sound effects to worry about, mm. backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. Fortunately, the editor did a, apparently a good job. I haven't even seen a cut yet. I'm supposed to see it this weekend. But the editor did a pretty good job of putting sound effects where they needed to be. So hopefully all I will have to do is get the levels right. And I guess there's some somewhat major issues with the dialogue. So I'm going to have to probably do a lot of cleanup and everything like that. But... I'm just excited to do that, and I'm excited to offer my services as now a film sound mixer. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. But the thing that I'm really excited about is I would just love to do this like film summer camp thing where you like, I mean, it's not an official <laughs> thing. It's just like you yeah. you have to make this happen. But yeah, to live in the location, to like have everyone there with you, like bonding, like making a movie. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a really cool idea. That would be how I would want to make my first feature. Really? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal. Why yeah. don't we just do it in an Airbnb weekend? Yeah. Why don't we do the test Yeah. a little one-week short film? Yeah, that's the way. To, I really think that's, I mean, our, our boys, the Duplass brothers, I think would really approve of of that method of like, we live in this place. We're renting it for the movie, but also to live. So there's like, we're not paying for housing as well as a set. It's all the same thing, like all under the same roof, really just run and gun. I know that they did that for their movie Blue Jay, and they've probably done it for other movies too. So I think that's a really great way to make a movie. Um, and I would love to do that someday. Then that's, yeah. the, that's the thing that Grant wanted to say. I love that thing that you said. Yeah. And I am excited to hear more of those things as those things come along love it <laughs> amen let's answer some questions grant let's do this let's do it should we go back and forth yeah yeah yeah, yeah. perfect segue is the f only film question on there <laughs> i think <laughs> and we got we got to dive deeper into acting and ad reads and how i feel about the process mm. which i th think it'll be an interesting take because uh you get the film scoop Right. I got a little bit of the film goop. Right. How I feel, I think acting and ad reads are two different beasts. Mm. And when I think about this, I almost think there's a handful of acting genres. Ooh. Like, I think acting is kind of boiled down to, like, there's comedy acting, there's theatrical acting, and then there's commercial acting. Mm. They almost, like, separate into those kind of three things, which I feel like, you know, there should be a little more blend of theatrical and comedy because it's a whole person. But besides the point, in regards to commercial acting... It's how you want the audience to feel about the product, right? You're trying to have them feel a certain way so they buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. In acting, acting, I feel like it's the script that influences how we feel mm -hmm. internally and how we express it. And, of course, oh. we want the audience to feel in yeah. certain ways, but it's more about the actor's mm -hmm. feeling. Wow. Hot take. Love it. Yeah, I would say all of the acting you've discussed i think if you boil it down it'd be like a performance for a purpose so mm. what is the purpose of commercial it's to sell something purpose of uh maybe theatrical and film acting is to elicit emotion to entertain but the best commercials the like ones that come to mind when i think commercials that are great i think can do all of those things which is why i think they're so good yeah because they bring you in with the story and the entertainment and then they like sell you the product at the end and you're like, wow, that is great. That is memorable. Yeah, but I totally agree. Yeah, these things are, they are different and a lot of commercials really sidestep doing anything but selling, which I think is playing it safe 
and maybe makes them more generic. So if you're a copywriter out there and you're making ads, maybe put some more effort into it. <laughs> From what I've seen being in the ad reading side of it, it is to sell. Yeah. It isn't, I don't think they view it as like art and selling or right. creativity and selling. It's like bottom line right. selling, which makes sense. Right. You know, uh, I, you are or marketing something. Right. In the commercial world, which I worked in for a year before I was like, I cannot take this. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is this, like the client is always right. Like they want to make sure their product is being seen yeah. like in the best light possible. And usually that overrides any kind of attempt at being creative and adding story and all of that stuff. But again, I do think that really good commercials can do both. But yeah, I mean, obviously selling is the number one thing. But if you're thinking about it in terms of an audience, like most of us fast forward through commercials, we have ad blockers, like we do everything we can to not watch people sell us stuff. So if you can sell things without immediately triggering that response that all of us have of like skip ad, yeah. um, then you're doing something very right. Yeah. 100%. There's a Starburst commercial that aired over 10 years ago that I still think about. Berries and cream. Tell us. So funny. Such a funny and weird commercial. It's like this guy that pops a berries and cream Starburst, and he's like, oh, berries and cream. This leprechaun man comes out and sings uh -huh. berries and cream to them for like the next 10 seconds. Wow. It's painfully awkward, and it's so funny. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. I'm like, this is hilarious. If only there was yeah. funnier <laughs> More I commercials. I would love to watch them. It's true. It's true. And that's a great example. Someone did something that was like, they took a little bit of a leap of faith there that that commercial would work. 10 years later, you're still quoting it. A commercial. That's right. A commercial. True. And I'm still eating Starburst. Yeah. Starburst are good. This is a question that I like because I, I like the wording of it. And I also think I got a hot take for it. So Ooh. thoughts on the education system and how it actually sets you up for failure. Uh, My hot take is I, I've been thinking about this outside of like receiving this question. I think my education has done quite a bit for me. I'm not going to lie in the sense that it hasn't taught me per se the actual subjects, but it's definitely taught me how to learn. Mm. It's taught me how to find answers mm. and it's taught me the basics of like writing. Yeah. Taught me the basics of like math, yeah. which as much as we're like, when are we gonna use algebra? I'm like, I'm using it mm -hmm. pretty consistently. And if I'm not using math, I'm using problem solving skills. Yeah. And I almost think if done correctly, the education system can teach you how to learn mm. and how you learn and how you can apply these things to the things you want to do. It's not about the subjects. Yeah. It's about how you learn to apply those. Wow. You know, the learning styles. That's my hot take. That's a beautiful hot take. That take is both hot and pretty. Nice. Yeah. Date that take. My first instinct reading this question is this is perpetuating a logical fallacy known as begging the question. In other words... It is saying what it thinks <laughs> instead yeah. of just being a question. <laughs> I think the education system has failed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're putting you, what you think in front of the question. So, but I mean, I, obviously the educational system is flawed in many ways. And oh, yeah. like there are ways that it, it does fail us. But Nick, what you said is like probably the best thing that education can be. And if the education system does fail us, it's probably just when it doesn't do what you said. Um, because there are schools that emphasize things that are probably 
not doing that. Like critical thinking is really important. I think that's one of the things you said. It's like, you know, being able to see a problem, analyze it, figure out what to do, think for yourself, basic math, writing, all of those skills are very important. So if education is failing us, it's by not teaching those things that you said. And I'm sure there are many schools across the country that are slacking. But yeah, I mean, I think what this person is probably referencing is the idea that like education is very much about putting you on a path that you get pigeonholed into and not supporting like what you're actually interested in or possibly they're referencing that education is very results oriented mm. with mm -hmm. grades and everything which doesn't necessarily help you in the real world yeah. i love that you said what education is so <laughs> great for and i i hope that that's the philosophy that most educational institutions have. It might not be, but if you're going through the educational system right now, try to find ways to make it, to approach it in a way that applies in the rest of your life. Meeting deadlines, all that stuff. That's I, important. I mean, yeah, it's super yeah. important. And I think to your point, like, yeah, the cookie cutter mentality that all of these same children are going to end up on the, need the same yeah. style of learning is, you know, tough to say. Creativity and, mm -hmm. you know, finances are, you know, could definitely be put out there more, but. Yeah. I'm guessing this person is upset about the cookie cutter thing, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I would guess it's that. It is very hard to stand out in a in a curriculum that's like standardized. I understand that. And with testing and everything, that's probably not the best way to do education. Agreed. Any of these stand out to you? What's your workout routine, Nick? <laughs> we all want to know. Is that really something people want to know? I do. I don't know if you know this. I was a, a certified personal trainer for two years. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did the audience know that? I don't know. Huh. They do now. They do now. Wow. I didn't. So take that. Okay. Take that, Grant. And I'm going to tell you my workout routine right now. Tell me. I don't know. It's not even that crazy anymore. I feel like it depends on what you want. Most of my workouts right now, I'm doing six sets of six and then I'll go for a run. Mm -hmm. So I think if you want to be strong, do pyramid sets. Do like a eight, six, four, two, and then two, four, six, eight, right back. Whoa. Just do eight sets of everything. Wow. That's what I would say if you want to get big jacked. Yeah. But at this point in my life, now that I've aged, yeah. I almost believe it's a health thing now more than it is like a, I'm going to be the strongest guy in the gym. Right. I'm now working out as if I'm going to work out for the next 40 years. Whoa. I'm not, I'm not working out yeah. as if I'm the guy that's going to be benching the most yeah. out of my peers. Wow, that's enlightening, I, I, I would say. I think there's a lot of people our age that want to be big and strong looking, but as you've said, what matters more than the appearance of strength and health is actually being strong and healthy. So take that, steroid users. <laughs> take that, Mr. T, T standing for Tren. Oh. Mr. Tren, ster mm. steroid check. Yeah. Yes, very nice. What else we got? I mean, I think we should probably dive into a couple of the finance, like at least one of the finance questions, right? I want to do the refinance my high mileage car or buy a new one. All right. That's, that's the one I want to do. Nick, should I refinance my high mileage car or buy a new one? Oh my gosh, what a question. What a question. I'm so happy you asked I'm that. I'm so glad. My passion is about to go through the roof right now. I hate car payments. Mm. I dislike them to the maximum, unless you're finessing the system, like you got a LLC and you purchased the truck that's over 6,000 pounds and you're getting the fat tax write-off. Right. Car payments are Bush League and they're taken away. 
your wealth. So yeah. should you refinance? It depends. Obviously, if you can get a lower rate, that's a good thing. But if you have over, you owe more than $3,000 on this car, just sell it. Get a beater car. Buy a new car? Are you crazy? What are you, a, a millionaire? You're going to buy a $35,000 car for what? Wow. To do what? To go where? Yeah. <laughs> where do you need to go that you need <laughs> a brand new car? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I have been instructed by my father, who's good at saying things like this, that a new car is possibly the worst investment that there is because its value instantly drops as soon as you drive it off the lot. Yes. 100%. So, to your point, maybe what about a used car? I love a used car. Here's the strategy. This is what I think. If you want to, if you're like, man, I want to get a nice, nice car, yeah. buy a beater, save up $1,400, buy beater cash. Continue saving that amount for the next six months, seven months. Sell the beater for $1,400 again. Now you got another $1,400. You got $2,800, buy a $2,800 car. Mm. Then you're going to save up that same amount for the next two years, sell that car for $2,000. Then you have $4,000, you're buying a $4,000. Just upgrade your car without putting yourself into debt. If that's if having a new car is a priority for you, that's how I would say to do it. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like great advice. Let me ask you this. Please. What cars are good and what cars are not good? Because I know some are more reliable than others. Do you have experience with this? I've had a Honda Civic and I've had a Honda Accord for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them have broke down. I would say avoid Chrysler's unless Chrysler wants to sponsor us. <laughs> I would say Toyotas are a safe bet. Mm -hmm. Any car that you see out there, like a Corolla from the 90s, yeah. like 1990, that's still out there kicking it, mm -hmm. you know that thing's gonna go at least another 100,000 miles. Wow. So yeah. I think those are the safe bet. That's great advice. Look on the road, see what cars are old and still going. I've heard obviously great things. I've never owned a Honda or a Toyota, but those are the cars that everyone's like, a Honda will never let you down. It hasn't. Yeah. It really has not let me down. Yeah. My car has almost 300,000 miles on it. You hear that, folks? And I think it, it's probably going to go another 100,000. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> That's a great question. I'm glad that you, we got you all fired up. Thank you for letting me get fired up. I, I Actually, I have a question because I don't know the answer to this, and I'd like to know. Okay. What is your opinion on investing in a Roth IRA versus investing in real estate? Ooh, I'm, I'm sure this varies person to person, but I'm happy you asked this. My take on Roth IRA versus real estate investing is Roth IRA is much easier to find success at. And I don't, I don't think these are like mutually exclusive things. So a Roth IRA is as simple as opening a Roth IRA account and then finding an index fund, usually like a, a large cap or something that follows the S&P 500 and then just setting automatic contributions to automatic investments you'll never even think about it and then you'll max it out each year i think the max right now is six thousand bucks so every year you max out six thousand bucks comes automatically out of your paycheck you don't even have to worry about it after you set it up real estate investing varies deal by deal you can get a higher roi you know higher than 10 percent, which is kind of what you're hoping for with your roth ira compounding growth over time but it all is based on the deal as well. So like if you're someone that's willing to put in the work of finding the right property, finding the right deal, negotiating to get 80% of the purchase price instead of the full 100%, finding a good tenant, there's, it works and it's never a bad investment. Or I shouldn't say that. It's usually never a bad investment, but it is way more work than 
setting up a Roth. Sounds like it boils down to, do you want to put money in a Roth IRA or do you want a second job as a real estate investor? <laughs> yeah. Or like even I would say, this is what I would say. Like I would say, put all your money into the Roth IRA and max it out. And then whatever money you have left over, go gung ho. Yeah. Go real estate invest. Like all of this yeah. is about growing your money and both of those things can grow your money. Just do the easy one first and then, you know, yeah. go go play the games of real estate investing. That's that's great advice. That's my hot take. Get me fired up, Grant. <laughs> Grant, we got, yeah. we got a funny question for you. Let's hear it. Would you rather have octopus tentacles for arms or crab arms for arms? Easy. Octopus. Really? And I'll tell you why. Please. <laughs> I'm one of those people that hates to do multiple trips from my car to the to my house with groceries. Oh. I'm always trying to like get all the groceries I can in one round and usually by the time I get to my door, like I've pulled a muscle in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Something is amiss. Um, I would like tentacle arms because I really want to be able to grab multiple things at once. I never feel like I have enough hands. Even if I just have two tentacles, just having the little suction cups I think would be very helpful. If I perhaps need to climb a tall building, yes, go up the windows. Nice. Crab arms, I really don't see the advantage. I mean, mm. I'll, I'll, I want to throw this to you, but that seems hazardous for one. They can pinch people. Yes. They are not opposable. Like they can't really like, it's just very rigid. Yeah. Tentacle arms, you can get under, you could probably get under a door with, with those. What do you think? I think you make a great point. Like you could have, your wallet, phone, keys, just yeah. like, yeah. forget pockets. Like imagine never having to carry things like on your person, just stick it to a, uh -huh. a little suction cup and you're good yep. for the rest of the day. You're done. Yeah. What are the, what are the cons though? Like, does it come with the slime? Oh. Cause that's, that's, that's something to consider. Am I a messy person now because I'm yeah. slime ball? Do I have to constantly pour water on my arms to keep them mm. hydrated and lubricated? Yeah. I would guess these are things a crab-armed person would never have to worry about. No, but your arms are just so reversely massive, right? Isn't yeah. there like forearm claw part, the front, <laughs> yeah. and they have little tiny bicep arms? Uh-huh, I mean, it's a tough call. But I'm glad that we answered this with the passion that it required. Tentacles, all the way. I think tentacles all the way, yeah. Grant, where can people find you on the internet? This has been so much fun. Thank you Ooh. once again for servicing our listeners <laughs> and taking care of them. Yeah, people can find me at singerville.com. That's my last name, plus ville.com. Um, or on Instagram, Grant E. Singer. Uh, that's my handle. Um, but you can also find me at my new email. Oh, let's go. <laughs> it's great. Let me make sure I got this right. So it's grant at nicholasnatali.com. Right. Yeah. Email Grant. Please shoot him an email saying that you're listening. Shoot me an email. Grant at nicholasnatali.com. Wow. How fun is that? I can't wait to hear from you. Nicholas Natali, where can people find you? Nick at nicholasnatali.com. That is my email. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's nicholas at nicholasnatali.com. Oh, that makes more sense. I think I actually made an email first, nicholasnatali at nicholasnatali.com, and I just thought that was too much, and I was like, I got to make a Nicholas. Nicholas it's too many of the full names. Like, you're right. I should have stuck with Nick, just kept it short. Nick at, it's like, it's like casual. It's like, I'm Nick, but I'm like at nicholasnatali.com. I also have a full name, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh.